0: I've looked forward to uh, a new year. I don't know why, but like for me, I, I use the beginning of a new year as kind of a new line in the sand for several things in my life. I know many people get tired of hearing about New Year's resolutions and what's the, it's just another day, it's just another month. And, and I suppose you could look at it that way. But for me, I've always kind of said, what are the things in my life that I just haven't jump-started yet that I, that I should and that I want to. And I don't make it a guilt trip. I think that's the worst thing you can do is to have this long list and you're going, oh no, I didn't do that today. I failed, I failed. That, get rid of that mindset. But I wanna challenge you to come along with me on a ride in 2017 that really has everything to do with saying, what is this new line in the sand in my relationship with God What are some new things, some new concepts that that I need to experience with God that I haven't before in my life? Every one of us in these auditoriums here at Timberline this weekend, we are a year older today than we were a year ago today. How many of you know that's a true reality? (laughs) So the question for me that I, I really do personally invite myself into is, am I... Am I different in this year? Have I grown a little bit in my relationship with God? How am I different? Or am I just doing the same thing I've always done? There's this little phrase, you know, someone who's walked with God for 10 years. Are they one year mature 10 years in a row? Or are they 10 years mature? Because they've been growing every year over that decade. And I just wanna say, I'm gonna invite you in these first three weeks of 2017 We're going to throw a bunch of stuff out there. We're going to talk a little bit about our year. We're going to talk a little bit about the world and Timberline's impact in the world over these next couple of weeks. We're also going to talk about uh, Timberline Church Campus here in Windsor in Old Town and some of the exciting things that are happening there. So it's also going to be personal. How many of you have set some goals? Maybe you haven't called them New Year's resolutions, but you, you are wanting to think in terms of maybe some new changes going on in your life. Just wave at me. Okay. Definitely the majority there. So I like that. And it's always like most people have things like I want to lose weight. I want to get in shape. I want to be healthier. And all those things are in your control. All those things you can do. Getting closer to God, learning more about truth, is that something that's within your control? I think it is. I think it is. Walking in the spirit just a little bit more, trying to listen and hone in on what God is saying to me, is that in my control? Kind of. I, I do believe God is speaking. And I've never heard an audible voice you know, from God. It would freak me out if I did, probably. But I definitely have impressions of the spirit that come into my mind and my heart. I was praying this morning and I had an impression of the spirit and added a couple things to this message today that I believe are important for somebody uh, in these rooms today. And so I don't think that's scary and we don't have to make it spooky, but I want us to pay attention to the challenges that God is putting before us. So, so open your heart right now to saying, God, what is it that, that you have for me in 2017 that wasn't there in 2016? We look back, wonderful, thank God for all the great things that he has done, But I also want to look ahead to say the greatest days we know are ahead. So look forward to that. I'm simply calling this three-week series The Church. The Church. And I'll talk about what The Church really is in a minute. So if you have a program, follow along on the back page there. A question. Number one, a question, who is Jesus? Who is Jesus? The answer to that question is the most important component in your entire life. If you don't get that question right, you're not gonna get very many other things right in your spiritual journey. So that's the foundation. And what's happening in this story that I'm about to read, it's a well-known passage, it's the place where where Jesus really says to Peter, wow, you got it right, you've you've called me Messiah, the Son of God, Uh, upon this rock I will build my church, meaning Jesus, he will build his church upon his name. Matthew 16, if you have a Bible and want to open it up, verse 13, it says this. When Jesus came to the region of Caesarea Philippi, he asked his disciples. So the setting, this is an interesting, beautiful place in that part of the world, and it's just the disciples. There's not a whole bunch of followers, so they've gathered together as a little family, small group here. And he he looks at them and he says, who do people say that the Son of Man is? And he's called himself the Son of Man for a while because he's born as a man, fully God. And he says, Who are people saying that I am? Well, verse 14, they replied, Some say John the Baptist. Some say Elijah, who was a prophet in the Old Testament. Others say Jeremiah or one of the other prophets. So I have a question for you. Why are these disciples telling Jesus? these particular names, because the crowd, the crowd who is watching the life of Jesus has made an assumption that this is not an ordinary man. This is a very important component of theology. This isn't Jesus saying, I am God. At this point, he isn't. At this point, he's saying, what are people saying about me? And they are saying, this is not a a normal human being. These miracles, all the stuff that's happened, there's something of an anointing. It's either prophetic, but we know he's not a normal guy. So that is a wonderful start to others who probably don't want to believe he's the Messiah, having to acknowledge that the name of Jesus and the person of Jesus is someone very, very unique. And as we know that and as we follow Jesus, we have to pay attention to what we believe about who he is because we know he's more than a swear word in our culture today. We know that it's in that name, in that name, that there is power, redemption, and restoration. You mention the name of Jesus in a public setting in almost any forum and you're going to get some kind of a reaction. People have opinions about his name. So I think it's important for us to say, okay, we know he's not a normal guy. We know he's the son of God, but what's about to happen in the text? Number two in your outline is this. When does this become personal for us? When, when do I go from, okay, Jesus is the son of God, check, logic, I can, I, can, I can believe that, I can proclaim that, but it doesn't really impact my life. When does it change Back in the 60s, how many of you remember the Jesus movement? You know, uh, I was just like a two-year-old kid, but I remember growing up watching um, these these people who were coming to faith and even on TV and all these hippies and and this whole different culture uh, called the Jesus movement where people were saying, yeah, but I have a personal relationship with Jesus. And that phrase kind of got birthed. I have a personal relationship with Jesus. And Jesus wants to have a personal relationship with you. But what does that mean? Well, verse 15 and following will help us. Look at it with me. So then Jesus asked them, but who do you say I am? Not, not the crowds, but you guys who have been following me. Who do you say that I am? And Simon Peter answered, and I think it was more than an answer, I think it was a revelation by God, a nudge of the Spirit, and he just blurted it out. How many of you know Peter has a tendency to do that? And he just, he just can't resist, and he just says, you are the Messiah, the, the Son of the living God. Boom. It's out there. I don't know if the other disciples were shocked, and they were waiting, it was silent, And Jesus is touched by what he says. As a matter of fact, he says, you are blessed, Simon, son of John, because my Father in heaven has revealed this to you. You did not learn this from any human being. Now that matters because it means that the human condition can receive a divine thought And it is input by the spirit of the living God. It can be a truth that sweeps over the soul of man. We are made, yes, of skin, tissue, muscle, but we are also made of spirit. If you've ever been with someone when they pass away, it's an interesting thing because their body basically just collapses and it's like you just suddenly realize this is a shell. There's no one, there's no one here. That soul, that spirit man is gone. And in this passage, we see Jesus saying, this is not of human, this is not of humankind. That's the Father in heaven. That's the spirit of God that you are encountering that revealed this to you. When do things become personal? Things become personal with God when you open up your spirit man. And you have a revelation from God that comes into your spirit and you know it's truth and it comes out of you. That's when it's personal. Why? Because that's when it impacts you. You know, you can can have facts and you can know things, but it's not personal to you until it impacts you. (laughs) Let me give you a, a little illustration that happened to me this week. We had the privilege after Christmas this year of two of our three kids... And both of our grandsons live in the Phoenix area. So we had the privilege of heading down to the Phoenix area uh, for about nine days down. It was a wonderful time. And I was looking at my, my phone one day. And I have a little weather app that I always, I don't know why, I just like checking the weather in different places. How many of you have this obsession? Yeah, okay. And usually it's where I want to be. You know what I mean? And, and we were enjoying, you know, mid-70s. Uh, shorts and flip-flops and, you know, mid-50s at night. And I was just oblivious to the Colorado weather stream. And so I opened my phone and I looked last Tuesday and I saw all this cold air coming. Like, it said it was going to be like 12 below zero and snow. And I'm looking at my phone, and I'm not kidding. I don't know that I've ever done this quite this bad. I caught myself grinning. Like, I really did. I was looking at this, and I was seeing this snow, and it's cold, minus 10, minus 12. And, and then I just, I was just and, then I, and then I dawned on me, like, I'm grinning. Why am I grinning? Am I, am I happy? People are miserable over there. Uh, and that wasn't it at all, I promise. But it was that I was happy. Why? Because I wasn't in the storm. I was in flip flops and shorts, grilling on a grill, enjoying life. And I had no expectation of any snow problems or cold weather. And I really, 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 really liked it. (laughs) So Friday, we fly home and we get off the plane. The minute we hit the jetway, it's cold. We go outside to wait for our shuttle, it became personal. Shoveling my driveway yesterday morning, it was personal. All of a sudden, it impacted me. All of a sudden, it was a part of my life now. All of a sudden, I wasn't just looking at a screen going, oh, that's happening over there. It's like reading about a hurricane somewhere else and you go, oh, that's horrible. Click, what's the next story? If, if it doesn't impact you personally, then, then it doesn't have a way to get a hook in you. This passage, this story, this moment in the life of Peter and how Jesus responds is our clue and our indication and our understanding that the God who created the universe, the God who created the heavens, the God who is above all other gods has a personal connection with humankind. Your spirit can receive a message from God, wow, that's a big deal. And then it becomes personal. You know, people who just kinda add Jesus to the grocery cart and it doesn't mean anything to them, they don't understand the power that God wants you to have living in your life. And so this year I feel excited about what God is doing and what he's putting in us because why, it's personal to me, it's personal. Over these next few weeks, Pray to God that this can become personal to you, that there can be revelation of truth, that the Spirit of God can make a difference in your life. The third thing in your outline is simply, how will the church be built? I want to talk a little bit about the church, because it's a it can be a confusing word. Like, what is it really? Um, is it an organization or an organism? And I think that's a big question, because the church is alive. It's alive with people all over the world. But look at what happens in verse 18. Jesus, after he says, hey, the Father, the Spirit has revealed this to you, human, that's not humankind. But now, verse 18, I say to you that you are Peter, which means rock. And he's, he's basically calling him the little rock. And God's going to use him to help put the church in place But then he refers to himself, and he says, upon this rock, big rock, I will what? Build my church, possessive, my church. That's very important. I will build my church. I'm not the owner. You're not the owner. We're not the owners. Jesus is the owner of his church. And then he says, back to the spirit realm, the powers of hell... How many of you know those are real? The spirit world. The powers of hell will not conquer it. Why? Because it's his church. That means that we are connected and we are part of something that will never, ever, ever go away. The church is going to be here forever. Why? Because it is not built on humankind. It belongs to God. God. Now that is exciting to me because listen, businesses come and go, corporations come and go, nation and the powers of nation. You read history, it comes and goes, but the church will prevail. Regardless of what's happening other places in the world, regardless of the stock market, regardless of crime, regardless of all the bad you can think of in your world, The church will never fail. You are a part of something that is going to be successful forever. Man, that brings me confidence. It brings me confidence because I don't have to muster that up. I don't have to make it happen. It's already happening. And Jesus is owner. So what do I do? I get to listen to the revelation of God in helping do what he mandates us to do as the church on the earth. That's a big deal. I think about the centerpiece and the focal point of the church must always be Jesus. You know where churches really make huge mistakes, and I've seen it all across the country and the world, is they get caught up in the program they're doing. They get, a pastor gets caught up in how important he is. Um, Arrogance sets in. People start to feel really good about what they're doing around the world, and suddenly, suddenly the blessing and the spirit of God says, whoa, this is no longer about God. This is no longer about Jesus. This is about you guys and how great you are and what you're doing and everybody's patting everybody on the back. And I just wanna tell you something. I wanna tell you that Jesus Christ will forever be the Lord of Timberline Church and he will be the centerpiece and he will be what we are all about forever and ever and ever. We can never forget that. It's true. That's why we're here—is to worship Him in spirit and in truth. I I know we live in Colorado. Don't you love living here? I do. Even well, I like to visit Phoenix area once in a (laughs) while. I love I love our state, and and we have the most beautiful scenery. And so, as a pastor, I get I get this. I get pastor. You know. Don't get to church much because you know I kind of I kind of feel God more in the mountains. You know, like I get my canoe and my dog Sam. And sorry if your name's Sam, we'll call him something else. Uh, and and I take I go to the lake up there, and there's some fish in that lake, and I just put a hook in the water, and I sit there and I meditate on God, and, and I just feel His. Pr- How many of you know God's up there too? Okay, but listen, it's very important. It's very important. The Bible is really clear that we are to assemble ourselves together. Why? For corporate worship, for instruction, for empowerment, for prayer, for all these processes to happen. Now, you're the choir. You're here already. So, so I'm, I'm complimenting you on making this a priority and keep it a priority because sometimes when you minimize the church, you're minimizing God. I've literally had people say to me, let's, let's let's be reminded, what is the church called? The Bride of Christ, right? We are the Bride of Christ. Would you think that's a pretty important role? Yeah, it's real big. As a matter of fact, if you came up to me and you said, hey, Darryl, let's you and I be friends, but let's leave your wife Bonnie out of it. I don't really care for her. I know that would never happen, but but I think you and I can just be friends without your bride. You know what I would say? I would say, get lost. Why? Because she's my bride. There's there's no more important relationship on this earth than mine with my bride. And when you say, I don't really care for, I love God, but I just really don't like the church, whoa. God's heart gets broken. You're devastating. That statement devastates God. Typically when people say that, it's because they're disappointed in someone, something's failed them, their church didn't come through, something like that, but keep a bigger scope in your brain about what the church is. It's not just about performance. It's not just about what you get when you come here. This is about us gathering together in the name of Jesus to strategize about how we are going to reach our city, how we are going to reach Colorado and the entire world That's why we exist. And if we keep that in mind, all the the little disgruntlement things can kind of be put back. You're not gonna love everything at Timberline or any other church. Matter of fact, you're gonna see some people you just don't like around here. Go ahead and give them a look right now. Just, no, I'm kidding. I'm always amazed when someone comes up to me and says, guess who I saw here today? And I'm like, who? And they tell me, and they say, they're a very bad person. And I'm like, well, aren't you glad they're here? (laughs) No. Yeah, we are. How many of you want sinners to be among us? See, we're going to open this place up. We're going to say, come one, come all. We're going to build bridges to people you don't even care for. Well, that isn't, what, what do you mean? Well, we are. That's what Jesus did. Now we're going to be true. We're going to tell them the truth. But we're not going to tell them the truth in anger or be mean. We're going to tell them the truth in love and we're going to invite them into our world. And we're going to sit and have have food with them and have a cup of coffee with them. Why? Because we love lost people. And we can't lose that mission. We can't just sit and be comfortable and have heat and air conditioning and everything we want, we, we, are, we are not called for that. We are made for interaction with the divine world. And God speaks to his church through human beings. And those moments come. And that revelation from God should change the world. Can you tell I'm excited? Sorry. My Pentecostal roots kind of creep up in me when I preach like this um you know jesus said in john 12 32 when i'm lifted up i'm going to draw all men unto myself and and i believe that statement that's why if we lift jesus up and he's the builder of the church we can simply listen for the revelation and be obedient because without obedience nothing's going to change either right Man, where am I? I am so lost right now. (laughs) Number four, let's just get to it. What is our role? What is our role in building the church? This is fascinating how Jesus closes this story out. It's in verse 19, and he says to them, I will give you the keys of the kingdom. I will give you the keys of the kingdom of heaven. Whatever you forbid on earth will be forbidden in heaven. Whatever you permit on earth will be permitted in heaven. Then he warned him not to tell people that he was the Messiah. What's he doing here? What's the point of all this? What, what this really boils down to, there's tons of commentators all over this verse. and it, it's Man, it's huge from A to Z, concepts and thoughts. But the bottom line where I think theologians would agree is that if we hear and receive the revelation of truth from God and we obey and we do the work of the Spirit on this earth, that changes heaven. That changes all of eternity. The things that happen here on this earth as we are empowered to correct, rebuke, love, encourage that is released in people to the point that their eternity will be different. We are empowered now to be the church. You know, I, I remember growing up with our kids, I stopped saying let's go to church because obviously our family went to church all the time. And we tried to not overdo it with our kids, and they came to one service on a weekend. We didn't say, you know, sit through all these services, but but we wanted them to be in church, but I started saying, "Kids, Let's go be with the church. Let's go be with the church today. Because that's different than just going to church. You can go to church and not be the church. You understand what I'm saying? And I want you to ask that question. Am I going to church or am I the church? Am I the church? Because God wants you to feel personally empowered by the spirit of God to be the church everywhere you go so that the church is not confined to these auditoriums. God forbid. But the church is everywhere in Northern Colorado. It's where you live, it's in your neighborhood, and you are an ambassador of God receiving divine thoughts. And we're gonna talk a lot about that. Let me tell you one thing I'm very excited about. We're we're gonna do a whole series on prayer and intercession and, and hearing God and what that really means practically. And we're gonna gonna help you find some practices in your life that will actually help you interact with hearing and discerning the voice of God in your life because we are in a culture that opposes our faith in Jesus as much as any time I know of that I've been alive in America. You think that's an overstatement or not? Okay, I don't think it's an overstatement. And our culture is not really wanting us to win. We are seeing more intolerance toward people of faith in Jesus than I've ever seen before. It's, it's amazing to me. Even if, if we leave them alone and we leave people alone that don't believe us, they're attacking us for our beliefs, even uninvited. When I looked over our, our 14ers that we kind of unwrapped last year, and they're very simple, and, and we're going to continue those probably for two or three years here. 14 are are mountain peaks above 14,000 feet. 54 of them here in Colorado. And one of the things that, that we talked about last year at this time was, was encounter is one of those. How are we gonna encounter God? How can we build in moments in our weekends where we just stop talking and we listen and we pray and we we think about the divine coming and giving us those revelations? We're gonna continue that. And we've had a lot of those this past year where we just anoint people with oil, we pray, we've had people really touched by God. We're gonna continue to pray to practice community. That's another one, was how can we be a big church and yet a small community? How can you really feel connected and loved and cared for when you're hurting, when you're broken, and you know someone's praying for you, someone's caring for you? How can we do this in community? I want us to care for babies. I want us to care for our precious young people. You guys, our middle school is exploding right now. Hundreds of students and and our youth pastors are working so hard. Pray for them. And pray for these high school students. I mean, it's 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 an ep- suicide is an epidemic in Northern Colorado, and we're the choice city. We're we're this city where we're, we have been given so much, and we've got to pray into that. We're going to have moments when we just stop, be praying now. But we're going to pray against. The gates of hell. That's what Jesus said. That he will prevail over the powers of hell. Hell. How does that happen? It happens when you and I become that conduit for the message from God. To pray it out, speak it out, live it out. And have the faith to see it happen. I also want you to just love on our seniors. Our singles. Our married couples. Say hi in the hallways at Timberline. How many of you want to be a friendly church? You know, let's just make sure that people who don't even like God, when they come here, they just get smothered in love. And they just leave so confused because they thought we were jerks. (laughs) You know what I'm saying? And let's just blow away every kind of thought that they have about who we are and what we believe. Let's just love people, and let's embrace them, and let's encourage them, and let's speak the truth as we have opportunity to do it. Another one was Apprentice. The A in your outline is apprentice. We're working very hard to develop a very clear pathway for you to have discipleship in your life and movement toward God. The last one is mission. I'm really excited. You know, our mission statement, the one sentence that we said is most important at Timberline is this. Timberline Church exists to lead people into a transforming relationship with Jesus Christ and with others. That is why we exist as a church. Let's keep that in mind this year, and let's know that the church will never, ever fail. I want you to be part of something bigger than yourself. I want you to think about it more this year. I'm going to be reminding you, these next couple weeks, I'm all charged up about so many things that we want to just put on the table, and we want you to pray with us about it. This church always, always had a big vision, impossible vision. The, the things we're dreaming we can't do, but we're not the owner, <laughs> And the owner of the church does not have limitations. And so we can believe God is speaking spirit into us by the revelation of God that we can have the faith to see these things come to pass that will never come to pass without that faith and without the presence of God among us. Amen? Amen. Amen. I want you to just take this last minute and think of one thing that will help you in your spiritual journey. What's, and write it down. Put it, either put it in your brain, your phone, write it on your hand, write it on someone's forehead. I don't care. I want you to think what's one thing I can do, what's one thing I can start with that's gonna help me draw a line in the sand in my spiritual journey. And if you can't think of it in this moment, please write the question down because next weekend, I want you to have that one thing, just one thing. Not 10, just one. And then how can we succeed? How can we do that one thing It might be five minutes reading the Bible every day. Make it easy. But start with one thing. If you don't have a relationship with Jesus Christ, if it's not personal to you, I want to pray for you. Because this needs to be personal, it needs to impact your daily life. Let's pray. Lord Jesus, head of the church, we are excited about being your army. There is a battle raging against the truth of your name. Our culture is pushing you out. But you are not nervous or worried or anxious because you are head of your church and the church will never, ever fail. Thank you that we can be a part of something this big. We are excited. I pray that you would awaken people in this room right now who have gone to sleep spiritually. Through your spirit, put a spiritual dagger in their heart that awakens them to that spirit man that's in there. You created them with that. And I pray That on this day, there would be a new line in the sand for them. That they would walk out of here, unsure of what exactly they're supposed to do, but knowing there is a God who made contact with them today. Let it bring fear to us and joy to us. Fear in the sense of respect and care. Joy that you became Emmanuel, God, with us. And you understand our every step our hurdles and our challenges. We love you. We make this commitment to follow you. In your precious name.